The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. Thanks very much, Lucy Malazzo. Welcome to The Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome to Gadget Guide Show number 266 with the latest tech news and then we'll look at some of the CES 2024 Innovation Award winners. But first of all, a look at the tech news. Uh, and we've got a, a, a wide variety of stuff spanning the whole solar system, or at least that's where we'll start, uh, because NASA reported that it had briefly lost contact uh, with uh, the Ingenuity. I was going to say rover. It's not a rover. It's, it's a helicopter, isn't it? Um <laughs> But did manage to find it. Yes, it it stopped sending data and they went, whoops, um, have we ended up with a problem like Japan had with their moon lander? Um, and this was their 72nd flight of their little helicopter. Wow. Lasted all of 32 seconds. And then they lost communication. And anyone who's ever flown a drone knows that that feeling in the pit of your stomach when your drone goes, yeah, I'm no longer connected to your controller. Uh, and of course, you know, up on Mars, you can't just go and you know, do the usual thing of turn it off and on again or repair it or, or <laughs> whatever you'd normally do to get that back. Um, it's a little bit more uh, more final than that. But they did manage to uh, uh, to get back in contact. Of course, anything like this in space, you know, we saw the same thing with the, with the JAXA um, response, but Mars even more so. Any operation you do, it's not an instant response. No. It's not the the sort of, no, oh, I'll just and, click that button. Even, even the moon is only a few seconds away, but that's still that's a long enough deal. to cause a problem. Uh, Japan, by the way, have turned it off and hope to turn it on again. <laughs> Stand uh, yes. Um, and hope that it will actually recover uh, when it gets solar. Uh, yeah, they're, again. They're, they're hoping on that, that Japanese moon lander. They're hoping that the solar panels are at the wrong angle, but then as the moon orbits the Earth, the the angle of the sun will change and uh, yes. uh, and then it might get some daylight. Full moon obviously means more sun is hitting the surface of the moon that we can see, and it's on the side that we can see is where it is at the yes. moment. Yeah. Um, yes. So from space to galaxies. Uh, yeah, very <laughs> good. <laughs> I, I do. This is the uh, the Samsung Galaxy S twenty four and S twenty four plus um, and now with. Uh, now, now with Galaxy AI, uh, yeah, they're they're jumping on the bandwagon. Um, I don't think we'll see uh, pretty much any technology products launched this year uh, without some mention of AI, whether you want it or not. Um, but uh, that this is uh, Samsung's attempt at uh, an AI assistant. Uh, they they probably would have called it a digital assistant last year, but yes, now it's the AI. Uh, and the year before that, have called it Bixby. Um, <laughs> But anyway, a uh, couple of interesting uh, tidbits of what it's offering. Um, one of them is circle to search. So you'll be able to just push hold and draw a line, draw a circle around anything on your screen. Anything oh, it's sort of screen, virtual highlighter kind of. And, and say, search the web for more about this. And it could be a picture. It could be text. It could be anything like that. So you put long push the home button, circle around what you want to search for, and it will go off and do a search, which is... Quite slick, actually. Uh, live translate is something. Two-way text and voice translation but, but in we've, real time. we've had this for uh, Google voice, Translate. Voice as well. Okay. Real time. So you'll be able yeah. to call someone in Korea, where Samsung are based, and talk in English, and they'll hear Korean and vice versa. Interesting. Oh, uh, um, 
yeah yes let's see see what we it's might like. have to test that um <laughs> and uh, um quite a lot of interesting stuff around uh correcting text i mean we're used to autocorrect or auto uh, autocorrect sometimes yep. yes auto auto error um a lot of improvement around that and some tweaks to say you know you could say this better yeah, yeah that's I, a little bad thing I, I, again i i think let's let's see what it's uh what it's like in in real uh, real life i also I, like the idea of transcript assist where you can basically say i want you to just do a uh, voice to text of everyone in this room and it will deal with the fact that multiple voices are talking yes and, and, and that, yes i think those sorts of facilities and we're, we're seeing it in a lot of video conferencing platforms um you know zoom teams uh, have both had this for a, a little while but being able to just pop your phone on the desk in a meeting um, could be could be quite powerful. Of yes. course, if you're doing this for work purposes, do make sure that your work is okay with uh, with, with using that service. So you you say that, that might be Samsung are following Apple's lead on this one, and there is the option to go into advanced features, artificial intelligence, and say process the data only on my device. Oh, for for sure. But assuming so it is your device rather than one that work have been provided, uh, work, work have provided you with. You know, are they even okay with the content of that meeting being saved on your personal um, device and maybe in your personal Google account? Yes. So Some interesting do, offers do if you that. are in the market for a Galaxy S24 Plus or Ultra. Uh, do check with your favorite network, but also Samsung Direct are offering pretty good deals up until the end of January, uh, including trade-ins on not just Samsung products, but other brands and manufacturers. Uh, you know, you might be able to get a couple hundred quid for a couple-year-old phone, which, you know, is better than throwing yep. it in, in electronic waste. Very, very much so. Uh, interestingly, one of the other announcements that they uh, do mention as part of this is... Yes, you've guessed it. AI Zoom, um, which is meant to uh, to keep your fi pictures looking sharp even when you go past the optical zoom range of your phone's camera. Uh, slightly adjacent to this, but one of my colleagues noticed today that um, uh, on a Zoom call with several people uh, present, Zoom has always done the thing where they basically provide more data rate and higher quality for the person who's speaking at the time and everyone else gets kind of blurred out a little bit as it cuts back the uh, the bandwidth um they i don't know whether they've tweaked the the way they're doing that but rather than being grainy or, or so blocky as we're used to it almost made it look made the background look like a van gogh painting the sort of the swirly lines and very cool. and everything like that so it wasn't what you might expect of a compression artifact but at the same time, it looked a bit weird. It looked almost cartoon. Um, well, I suppose or, if you're generating the background via software rather than having to shove the data of the background along... No, that, this this was a real background. As in, uh, somebody... Sorry, someone on, on the call had a bunch of photos on the wall behind uh, okay. them. And it looked like they'd been rendered into so paintings. So traced them. Yeah, oh, it was right. very, very strange. Um, uh, so yeah, you know it's, it's one of those. Works for Zoom, who can tell us more about their tech? Yeah, love to hear from them. <laughs> intriguing. <laughs> um, so there we go. That's the uh, the new offerings from uh, from Samsung coming up soon. I'll be able to talk with um, a bit more. Um, yes, first hand experience in a week or so. Apparently. Oh, excellent! Have you got one? Uh, got one on order? It's pre ordered. Yes, took Very advantage nice. of all the, all the offers because it basically made it cost less than the S twenty two that I'm trading in. Ah, very nice. Which is uh, 
interesting. Yeah. He- heading into the world of gaming now. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I love the, uh, the, the description of this. It's Pal World, um, which I've... I've never heard of before. Uh, before we were looking into it for uh, for this show, um, <laughs> it only but appar- launched on the nineteenth of January. So yeah, it's only been like three it, days, and it is topping the charts on Steam. So if if you're not already on Steam, then um, yeah, the, this is one of the the biggest platforms for for PC based gaming, um, and is is it, basically sort of Pokemon or uh, I'd almost say Ice Age. Um, and with yeah, guns, po- Pokemon with guns, I think is is possibly a, a pretty good description. One of the things that a lot of the um, reviewers are saying is they're just waiting for Nintendo to turn around and sue the hell out of Pocket Pair for a lot of the artwork looking very much like Pokemon characters. I I, I, I think it's Ice Age. Uh, I <laughs> I think that looking well, that, at one of the screenshots, that's um, Disney that will be suing. <laughs> oh yeah, but that, both Disney and Nintendo are quite good at defending their intellectual property uh, for hundreds of years. <laughs> so may, may, maybe get it now um, before <laughs> before it's no longer available. It's yes, uh, Pell World free to play on Steam and currently the most played game as of uh, today uh, for 2024. Um, and yes, that's in three days of availability. So it's uh, already bumped Counter-Strike, um, uh, PUBG, um, Grand Theft Auto, Baldur's Gate, down the list. Ah, interesting. Uh, well, in other sort of commercial successes, Apple's Vision Pro, this is their uh, augmented reality and uh, virtual reality headset. We've mentioned this a couple of times uh, before. That went on sale pre-order and sold out so yeah, <laughs> the, the, the analysts thought they had 80,000 units in inventory um, some people are saying it could be as high as 180,000 that's just to put in money terms that's 500 million dollars list price worth and, and these things are not cheap they're uh, they're about sort of 3,000 pounds uh, yeah. three and a half thousand US dollars um, to, to get one of these and that's that's not something you sort of buy with pocket change, is it? Even no. for even for the sort of the hardest Apple fans, um, this is three and a half of the latest iPhone. Um, yes, and you know that's the, still going to be about three thousand three hundred odd pounds. Um, so yes, um, five hundred million pounds worth of revenue in for Apple. Um, they've had to uh, obviously start a second wave of pre-orders, and that has pushed the delivery time out by a number of weeks. Yeah. However, there is a slight problem that a bunch of uh, big, big name apps have already said we won't be on Vision Pro. The likes of Netflix, that's going to be a bit of a bite. Oh, yes. YouTube, that's really going to be a bit of a painful one. And Spotify. Now, I, Spotify, I'm going to say, I really don't care. Like, yeah, I don't, because you've got other ways to listen to Spotify, and it's a listen yeah, rather like, than I, I, Exactly. I'm not going to put on a VR headset to listen to a song. I'm going to put some headphones on. Maybe yes. or some speakers, Whereas but yes, you might uh, have certainly. To watch a YouTube or Netflix or uh, something like absolutely, that. and and those I would imagine are you know one of their core markets of um, the the sort of laying in bed or, or or relaxing in the armchair with with your VR goggles on rather than having to disturb those around you with a, yes. a big TV, or or if you've got a big TV and you want to watch content that different to the rest of the household, this is another way to do it. Yeah. Um, some, and, uh, of the, some of the reluctance for those platforms to be on the Vision Pro is Apple's 27% commission 
And this is nothing new, right? This is exactly the same as they've done for the iPhone and the iPad and the Mac App Store and all of those things, which is if you sell something through those uh, through the apps listed on those app stores, then Apple gets the cut. Now, for most of those apps, you, know, you can get Netflix on uh, on the iPhone. You just can't buy your subscription on the iPhone. You have to yeah. go to the Apple website and, or and somewhere. Uh, as, sorry, as, the, the Netflix website. Same as buying an ebook from Amazon for your Kindle. You can't buy it in the Kindle app on either Android or iOS. Yep. They say go to the web page and buy it there. And and that's exactly the, the same problem. So I'm not sure whether it's something different about the rules here on on the Vision Pro that means you you can't use that little trick to work around it. But mm. it it doesn't quite seem. And that there there have been murmurs of lack of confidence in the platform. And and maybe this will now change with that that news that the pre-orders have sold out. You know, at three and a half thousand dollars, it's not a cheap offering. I wonder if there was a little bit of sort of okay, let's wait and see what uptakes like because if you only sell a thousand of them then yeah, <laughs> it's I not mean, worth your app. Apple's projections for twenty twenty four were three to four hundred thousand units. Uh, sure. But I, I can if they've sold half of that already, that's actually not too bad going although some of the analysts have looked at the, the pre orders and it wasn't as fast as an iPhone, but then I suppose if you look it's at the cost load, of right? it as yeah. an iPhone and cost of living is affecting the world, um, it might have made people go put it in their cart and then go, I need to walk around the block 10 times and think about this before I click the, here's my plastic, please pay for it. And, and I guess on the, on the same kind of theory for developers they're going to they're not going to want to spend three and a half thousand dollars on getting one of these units to develop their apps to test their apps with um especially if they're 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 a team where you've got lots of people working on it you're going to have more than one especially if some of those people are working at home um you could easily say you see a company having to to spend tens of thousands of uh of pounds just to get the the kit to develop these apps um before you've spent the the people time on on doing so so i i reckon that all of those big names are going to ha- come along now that there's strong market interest you know now we've seen that mm. the, uh, the the one or two hundred thousand units are out there i think there's a much bigger uh argument for for netflix to to head that way yes. i wonder if they like lo- they'll course, launch also, it only on their on their top tier plans and of course also those orders were us only because it only launched in the us yep and they were pre-orders. They've just got to wait another few weeks for them to actually start shipping. So once it opens up to the rest of the world, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, very much so. Um, heading over into uh, your email now, and this is this is an interesting one. It's Gmail's unsubscribe button. Um, and this has sort of half existed uh, for, for a little while. So um, this is now, as well as the report spam button, you're now going to start seeing an unsubscribe button for some emails, um, especially on the Android platform. I'm sure it'll come to uh, to others soon as well. And the idea here is to try and make it easier to unsubscribe from those newsletters and marketing emails that you, yeah, they're, they're probably from legitimate companies, but you don't want them anymore. Um, uh, and yeah, oftentimes those unsubscribe links are, are, are in the emails, but they're buried at the bottom. And you've got to click on it and then confirm your email address and then cl- click confirm and then say, yep. yes, I want to actually unsubscribe. And the reason I want to unsubscribe it, you've got to probably jump through about five hoops in some instances just to say, I don't want your content anymore, please. 
Now, the tech that they're using to do this has been in use for quite a while, and it's something that's been linked to that junk button. So you'll notice sometimes if you report junk, it will say, do you want to unsubscribe or do you want to report as, uh, uh, as junk? Um, and I, I can see a lot of people sort of not, not discovering that because it's sort of, okay, this is a business I, I maybe have used, I know that they're legit, I'm just not interested anymore. Um, uh, and so you don't really want to reach for that junk button. Surfacing it as a separate button, I, I think, is uh, is valuable. Yes, because the email standard includes a, a secret bit of information in the headers of most emails for legitimate emails that yep. have the unsubscribe to actually be able to send an email to. So when you click the unsubscribe button, you might see a pop-up that says something like, do you want to stop sending, getting similar messages from this supplier, Gmail will unsubscribe by sending an email to list unsubscribe at something. Uh, and yeah, the, these things have been in use, like I say, for a little while. And if you are a company that sends these sorts of marketing messages, it's in your interest to, to include them. Because while it does make it easier for your customers to opt out, it also means that your emails are much less likely to head into that junk mail folder to start with. So yeah, you're more there we go. Tidier, in, so tidier inboxes coming soon. <laughs> yes. Less tidy inboxes. Um, Microsoft. Yes, in inboxes that get breached. And uh, Microsoft have confirmed that a Russian uh, state-sponsored hacking group uh, called uh, Midnight Blizzard um, possibly... Well, they've confirmed that it happened and that senior execs at Microsoft had their mailboxes compromised. Yes. Now, th this is a, a small number of Microsoft accounts. Um, it's not Microsoft's customers' accounts, or at least that's, that's certainly what we're hearing so far. Obviously, a lot of uh, details still to emerge here. Um, it, indications so far is these are the same folks who were behind the SolarWinds attack back in the autumn of 2020. Um, that impacted a lot of government departments and, and similarly large entities uh, around the world as a result of that. And clearly the, the aim is the same thing here. If you can get into senior management accounts within a major supplier, Microsoft in this case, you can then use that to reach out to other companies uh, and look like yes. you're legitimate. Yes, you know, if, you, if you're a CEO of an organisation and you're getting an email for claiming to be from a CEO of another organisation, you're probably going to trust it if you've actually corresponded before. So that yeah. sort of access is, yeah, worth gold to cyber criminals. Um, the method that they got in, Microsoft have said how it actually happened. They've been fairly open on this and that a password spraying technique, so that's basically sending... Um, Passwords, no, known passwords one after another yeah. at, at an account to try to access it got into a uh, an old account that should have been turned off and thrown away which didn't have all of the magic two-factor authentication stuff turned on and they were able to get in via that and then work their way through the system to gain access to these other accounts now the good news here is that this seems to have been a much uh, uh, much quicker detection. So so far, our indications are they probably compromised the accounts on about the thirteenth of January. Uh, it was then disclosed on the nineteenth of January. So yeah, we're we're talking less than a week of access. This is way better than the situation we saw uh, with some of the the companies involved in the solar winds. Uh, attack where it was it was months that they had access yeah. so you know it, it seems to have been a much better response and therefore hopefully a lot less damage 
And let's hope that Microsoft take what they've learned, roll it into the products that they provide to you and I and everyone else who uses stuff on the Microsoft platform and boost all of our security that way as well. Yeah, no doubt. Um, staying in the security theme for a second, um, the, the parent company of uh, the likes of Vans and North Face and Supreme, um, they were also uh, victim of a cyber uh, cyber attack, um, compromised personal data belonging to around 35 million customers, um, according to a, a filing with the US Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, I I don't understand why they even had that data. Yeah, if I go and buy a, a North Face coat, they don't get my my name and email address. Uh, but Did they you, have that if many people? You're buying it directly from them on their website. True. And North I'm just, Face have got a website. Vans have got a website, and you can buy direct from them. Yeah, I'm just amazed it's, that it's that many people were were involved in this. I'm I'm guessing it might not be as much of a European market. It might be more of a US market thing. But they're certainly. Mm. When I did a quick look, yes, they do have UK versions of the website you can buy from in pounds sterling and have it shipped to you locally. So. If you have bought from the likes of those, you're hopefully going to get correspondence from them in an email. Yeah, just check your junk folder in case it's gone there. Yeah. Um, telling you about this, but it might just be an idea. If you do know that you've bought from the likes of Vans or Supreme or the North Face, keep an eye on your bank account. Just in case. Yeah, and it, it does say that it didn't. They don't hold uh, bank account details or credit card payment no. information, so that is likely to be okay. Um, the the breach itself. Uh, was uh, handled within about two days. Um, it was unfortunately right in the run-up to Christmas, which is about yeah. the worst time that this, Black Friday this sort of thing can times. happen. Um, but it does. It really highlights the the risk of companies keeping hold of this data for as long as they do, because my guess is that 35 million wasn't people that had bought an order in the last three days. No, and, and the likelihood of, of the sort of attacks that that data gets used for is sending you things saying, you know, here's a 90% discount on the latest jacket from the North Face um, because they've got that list of all the customers that they know have been to that site. Um, they're going to potentially get more people click through to something malicious after that. Yeah, so I, th I think, yeah, hopefully we'll see companies realising that holding this data is 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 a risk as well as a, an asset. So there we go. Last uh, last up then on the uh, on the tech news, and this is Meta, company behind Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and uh, other such things. Threads. Yep. Oh yes, one threads. That we always are. forget. <laughs> <laughs> is anyone still using that? Uh, the uh, one that's trying to be X, but not. Um, yes, Meta have now said that they are finally going to address some European regulations and concerns. Uh, and this does include us because we're part of the EEA still. So, um, yes, they, they're not going to leave the UK out of this. And it will allow you to decide to split your data sharing to not share automatically between Facebook, Instagram, Facebook Messenger and threads. So the, this is, you know, if you want to, you can have a different a difference of personality on those two things. It means that something you watch on Instagram isn't going to uh, influence the adverts you might see on your Facebook profile and, and vice versa. Or you, you're not going to automatically post your uh, Insta picture of your latest culinary perfection to Facebook by mistake because you've managed to unlink them from that happening. There we go. Um, so coming up next, it'll be the CES 2024 uh, best in show. Cambridge 105 Radio. Mm -hmm. 
Music Generator is the programme where we champion the local music scene. On Wednesdays and Saturdays, Tim Willett and Rebecca May have the latest releases, studio interviews and live sessions. The message came through saying, oh, we've listened to your track. And I was like, oh, I've had that before, it's fine, it's nothing to happen. <laughs> and then I got a DM from Rebecca on Insta. And I was like, oh, okay, that's like, that's it's going to get played. New Music Generator, online at cambridge105.co.uk, Wednesdays at 7 and Saturdays at 4 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Cambridge 105 Radio. And we're going to take a look at some of the best in show uh, from CES 2024. We, we talked about some of the, the themes of the, uh, the, the show on last uh, episode of the Gadget Guide. Um, but now, yeah, let's actually jump into some of the, uh, the products that have been launched. So every year, the CES Innovation Awards Program, which is an annual competition honouring the outstanding design and engineering and consumer technology products, and it uh, recognises honorees in a multitude of consumer technology product categories, and then distinguishes the highest rated in each. Goes around the show handing out little trophies that they'll nice. show off nicely on their stand, and of course they can update all of their press releases to include the um, the. Nice little logo as well. Um, I think the biggest buzz was around LG. Now, this this is something I yeah we we always have the TV trend. There, there's always one, whether it's curved screens or 4K or or 3D or anything like that. Um, this one this one's gone off on a bit of a, a tangent. It's a transparent OLED TV, and this looks kind of gorgeous if i'm entirely honest it's, <laughs> it does. It does. it's it's a tv that when it's off or when there's not an image showing on it you can see straight through it you can see what's you know it's a little bit dark it's not sort of completely uh, uh clear it's as glass like, but almost like slightly smoky glass yes yeah yeah um but then you can turn it on and turn it into a tv or anywhere in between so you can have like a part of an image or you know, maybe show a clock or a, um you know the weather report or something like that so it kind of i think that this is going to get a lot of use in sort of fancy offices and fancy atriums and that sort of thing they're, they're already i mean half of their press release was dedicated to digital signage because you yeah. can see if you stuck one of these in the window of your shop if you're thinking about a oh. boutique shop in uh, you know a major high street in somewhere like london you could have this totally transparent display that you can see through into the shop and see the mannequin with the clothes on and then it comes to life and it can actually show someone walking around in the the outfit you know that sort yeah, of digital it, signage is it, it, it's it's augmented reality without the goggles isn't it, it it's it's like paycheck and um minority, minority report, report yeah those sorts of you know, in-your-face graphics, but yeah, we're getting I, there. I, I, I'm just trying to see whether they announced uh, pricing for it. <laughs> no. I can't, can't see it off the top of my head. Uh, um, no. no one was prepared to talk about how much these things are going to cost yet. But honestly, I think, I think this one could be a game changer for that sort of business use. I, I think that in a fancy hotel lobby or um, you know, in in shops hotel, like or said, yeah, yeah it, I. Okay, Honestly, I, I think this could be a, where, where could you be sort of huge. Glance across the restaurant, and then it, you know, 
up comes the special board and it was just yeah. floating in nothing or, you know, the chef has just created uh, the latest whizzy dessert and you see him creating it in real time on the screen and it just sort of appears effectively floating in midair because the screen is totally transparent. Yeah. 77-inch screens, wow. so they're not small, um, and it won five CES Innovation Awards. And I think it's fair to say this is not something that you're going to see in the average living room anytime no. soon. Um, maybe in the future, you know, if, if the well, price comes I mean, down. Yeah. You know, we, we thought that it would take a while for 4K to get into the living room, and it only took a few years. Um, yeah. You know, now you battle to buy a TV that isn't 4K. Yeah. How long before, you know, 50% of the TVs you'll see you walk in and they've had to work out how to show them in a showroom because they're transparent. And, and I guess from, on the wall. For, from a from a technical point of view, it's not that big of a leap. Like I, I can imagine that there, there's clearly a lot of innovation and there's clearly changes to processes. But fundamentally, if you're using the OLED technology, once you're doing that, you've got the bit of here is a pixel that lights up or doesn't light up. Actually, it's How not that hard to is, not. Yeah, yeah, it's not that hard yeah. to not put the, the black bit of so, paper some of the, behind some of the it. Interesting stuff in it was they basically tried to make it as wireless as possible, so you don't actually have to run cables to it for the HDMI, for the sound, and for anything like that. All of that is wirelessly connected. So there's a little box that drives the whole thing, and all the communication from that to your streaming service, your consoles, your Blu-ray players, and so on is all wireless. I think I'm much less excited about that side. <laughs> like by by the time you've got a power cable, you might as well run an HDMI cable. And I th I can't remember if it's LG. I think it is uh, with some of their ultra slim ones. They were already taking the approach of one cable from the yeah. from the screen uh, back to a little sort of hub that sat underneath it, and yeah. that carried power and HDMI and all of that stuff. I I think the wireless bit is is a oh and by the way rather than the <laughs> it, it is absolutely that. It is absolutely yeah. that. So, yes, very cool bit of technology. Yeah. Um, moving on to, uh, to to home battery energy storage technology. And, of course, uh, with the recent windy weather, uh, those of us who are on uh, uh, some of the kind of uh, time-of-use-based electricity tariffs might, uh, might have been uh, enjoying a, a little bit of a bonus from the wind in cheap electricity prices. Uh, well, if you've got home batteries, then you can really take advantage of that. And EcoFlow, who we've talked about in the in the past uh, in the context of portable power stations, are now looking to diversify into uh, uh, the the more home you know fixed uh, house based batteries. Huh? Yes, whole whole home systems, and they launched the Delta Pro Ultra. Uh, they're calling it the whole house battery generator. Um, it's got a, a an honorary award. So it didn't actually get the, the full-blown uh, gong, but it certainly got a lot of interest because they showed a whole home powering system. So this is something that can output 7.2 kilowatts. And you could wheel it round on wheels. Uh, interesting. So we're not talking about something that's, you know, several hundred kilos that you can't move once it's installed we're talking about something that yes you could actually take it to using your holiday home as well as using in your regular uh, residence so those sort of bits of flexibility um, and I, I think ecoflow have in their products to date have always focused a lot on the the sort of the diy installation yes. um you know that you can just buy this and then plug it in now 
that's true of the American market. Need to be a little bit more careful about doing that in uh, in the UK market. And, and certainly there, there home installed systems all require an electrician to actually do the work um, who will then wire it in properly into your consumer unit yep. and let your electricity feeds, supplier know and all of that sort of thing the supplies and so on so they, they have got some home panel systems this is basically the batteries and inverters that you can take and go you'd still need if you're going to have it as plugged into your house to drive the house you'd still need that electrician powered panel which they, they have as part of the range but you could effectively unplug your batteries and inverter and go away with it to, to use yes. on the go, which is well, pretty Well, one cool. thing I, I thought was quite neat and a sort of a side uh, benefit of having it on wheels is if you live somewhere where you know, maybe you're in a flat or something, uh, access to a roof, is that you can set your solar panels up, you know, maybe out in the garden, and then wheel the battery out there, charge it up during the day, and then wheel the battery back in and <laughs> and, and use it later on, uh, rather than having to run cables or, or anything like that. So I thought that was quite a, uh, so a neat Some interesting touch. ideas, and we're a little bit of fans of EcoFlow. We have actually run some Cambridge 105 outside broadcast entirely off EcoFlow-powered batteries, so we know the yep. technology. And, um, yeah interesting to see right now only u.s shipping for the uh, pro ultra uh, so we'll wait and see what they do when they do the rest of the world rollout they normally do that a couple of months after u.s shipping watch this space uh well moving from uh, from power to audio and uh bluetooth yep they're uh, they're still developing things and uh they they've uh, rolled out the AuraCast experience which is uh, uh, an interesting one is um bluetooth broadcast audio yes so most Bluetooth is a one-to-one -one pairing. You pair your headphones to your phone and you can listen to it. Some headphones will let you to pair to multiple devices, which is quite cool. So you can, you know, switch between your tablet or your computer and your phone dynamically. Um, and whichever one's playing the sound will get to your headphones. But if you're in a public space, it's a bit more challenging. So what AuraCast is going to really bring to the fore is things like if you were in a, uh, an airport lounge or a bar where there's a TV and it's got AuraCast, you could tune into that sound. Without having to do anything on the uh, on the TV side. On your headphones. And, and I can I can see this being really useful for, you know, not just the, uh, the, oh, I want to watch TV at the bar or the gym or that sort of thing. But one of their, one of their examples they list on the, the Bluetooth uh, Special Interest Group website um, is at the airport. Because yeah, we've we've all been at the airport or the train station or something like that, and it's really noisy, it's really echoey, and you just can't hear the, <laughs> the announcements. Yeah, so um, be, being able to to pick a channel of yeah flight departures, and maybe even if the airports get like smart enough with gate A three or something, I only want to know about my gate. Yeah, yep. or or my fl flight, or, or or that airline's flights because I want to hear about you know when my BA or my Ryanair flight is departing, I want, and that's all I'm interested in. I don't care about the 40 other airlines departing from this airport. Yep. Um, so that could be interesting. Same for any other public transport um, mm. environments. But also for things like conferences, where yes. you'd be able to tune into the speaker you want to listen to. Maybe your needs is more of an audio-described soundtrack, and if that's provided, then you know those sort of things could be a lot more accessible. And with a lot more... Uh, hearing aids becoming Bluetooth, yeah. this sort of technology can pretty Being much do away to with that, that hearing loop idea if AuraCast can effectively do it over Bluetooth. Yeah, and, and of course, yeah, this instantly solves uh, the, the distribution side of, of things like translation services. 
yeah. um you know you now suddenly broadcast you know several languages and you pick as the as the consumer you pick which one you want without having to use a specialist set of uh, of receiving hardware so hopefully that'll open that up to a lot more venues watch this space on that one absolutely absolutely uh, moving into augmented reality i mean we've spoken about apple's uh, vr uh, augmented reality headsets but one of the things that a lot of um augmented reality in vr is lacking is the feedback so that you can feel what's going on yes you can have vibrating controllers that you can hold um but you know that tends to be to, as far as it goes actually being able to pick up an object and feel that you've picked it up is something that has been a bit sci-fi up until now um afferents have now developed a product which you wear as a glove yeah, it's a haptic glove that can actually create tactile sensations in your fingers. Interesting, <laughs> by directly accessing the nerves to your fingers. Wow, that sounds a bit creepy. Yep, and it's quite cool. Uh, I know I, that I, I want to try one of these. <laughs> I I really do because presumably this will sort of give you things like texture and and size yep. and shape and and all of that one. And it, it's effectively your your palm and your fingers are, are left free it mostly sits on the the back of your wrist and then it, you effectively it, it, end up with a ring a bunch of rings around, around each finger fingers, yeah yeah i i i want to try it um i really do because it's the sort of thing that i think could either completely freak you out or or be a game changer in in that 3d world so yeah watch <laughs> watch this space phantom by afference they actively say that they say that they actively hack the wires connecting your skin to your brain and send new information down it Gosh, yes, that, that's we, quite cool. We truly are in the future, um, and not to not to be outdone, we'll be talking parking drones, fitness watches, and of course, food printing systems. And uh, we're talking the best of CES twenty twenty four, and we're we're heading up into the air now, uh, or into the parking space with uh, with Parky. Yeah. Yes. Uh, HL Mendo showed off Parky, a parking robot. Now this is this is valet parking robot style parky looks like a a tea tray <laughs> with wheels that can um, map a car parking uh, area no wheel spaces are and then slide underneath the car jack it up <laughs> and move it into a space that is too narrow for humans to use because you can't open the doors uh, okay yeah because yep. it's able to effectively squish more cars into more space yeah very cool idea very cool I, idea i i'm 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 concerned if i'm <laughs> honest <laughs> like yeah we, we we've all seen the the videos of robotic vacuum cleaners going a little bit uh awol uh and cats riding around <laughs> on them um like would you trust your possibly several tens of thousands of pounds worth of car to be shifted around by a robot two inches away from other cars and uh, I, I, I think it's interesting because interesting i that, like it? i don't get the valet parking thing to start with like i would i would much I mean, much prefer to park my own car than to hand my keys over to someone else optimizing spaces where you know we're, we're trying to squeeze more cars into a space than um yes convenient for humans to be involved in that space as well and also possibly you know a safety thing if you if you don't have to worry about because the system can you know deal with uh not hitting things uh you don't have to worry about running over someone 
if, and it, if it's it feels a no like, people zone. It feels like this is possibly better served by cars that can be driven autonomously. Um, and and that would be the or, other or under remote control. Are already providing that. You know, you can uh, you exactly know, like and then Tesla by phone by yeah. remote. Uh, and yeah, that is one of the the genuinely useful use cases of that. Is I'm standing next to my car, but I cannot get into the door when it's in the parking space. Um, you know, please just shunt it out, and I can watch it and make sure that it's that it's not going to crash into anything. I, sp- I suppose the thing on 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 this is if it's valet parking. So you turn up, uh, and uh, you know, let's pick a, a big city that we're close to. If you turn up yep. in London, and you pulled up at the gate, and you took your ticket, you got out of your car, and you were going to wander into you know a London venue, and you could lock your car and Parky would park your car. So you're not having to give your keys to anyone. So it's a bit more secure in that regard. And it can just go in. And when you get back, you put your ticket in and your car arrives back. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm... I'm still I'm still slightly dubious. I, not least I, looking at the photo of it, it's got sort of pads that come out and, and basically go under the points where you jack your car up. Like the consequences of missing those by a couple of inches, yeah. you're going to end up with a, a a hole through the bottom of your car or, or a, a squished bit of metal. Where, I, yeah, I <laughs> I get the idea. No, I thanks. mean it could be something that gets killed by insurance companies. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on to something much safer, and this is Garmin's latest uh, smartwatches. Um, this is the uh, the the Garmin Venue Three. Um, yeah, it's the successor to the the Venus one and two, of course, um, and it's uh, uh, it, it's their sort of relatively sleek range of uh, uh, of smartwatches. Garmin always focusing on the fitness side of the smartwatch rather than um, the the kind of the the apps and notifications that uh, the, the the likes of Apple and uh, and Samsung concentrate on. Um, they're pretty high end devices. They're coming in around about the four hundred, four hundred and fifty pound mark, yeah, um, but yeah. rather nice looking. And uh, a lovely one point four inch uh, AMOLED screen, touchscreen, fourteen days of battery life in a smartwatch mode. All those and, and this stats, is something that Garmin stats. has always been really strong yeah. on. Interesting on the touchscreen as well, because this is something they've traditionally not opted for. So the Fenix range of uh, of Garmin smartwatches um, don't have any kind of touchscreen. Um, it's a transflective screen, so it's visible in, in bright sunshine. And they put all of the controls onto traditional buttons around the side. The idea is you can still use it when you've got wet gloves on. Um, so interesting to see the, the, the Venue going with the touchscreen. Yes. Although I do see it's, it's still got, what's it, four or five buttons around the outside as well. So maybe you're getting sort of the uh, the best of both worlds. Two case sizes, 41 and 45 mil available. Now we mentioned 3D printing and we're going to run through very quickly uh, three food technologies. The first one being 4D food printing systems. And this is going beyond conventional 3D printing using precise activation of nutrients within the human body through the integration of sophisticated software, food ink, structure design and four-dimensional stimuli like pH, time and heat. Yeah, that's Coming to a Michelin star restaurant near you. The other one is a, uh, a cooking bag. So it's a portable fabric. It looks like a messenger satchel, um, ah, but it can nice. microwave the contents up to 90 degrees in 10 minutes. Battery powered. So you can arrive where you are and your food is hot. 
Ah, very nice. Yes. And lastly, a new set of technology coming from a Dutch company called Sevi. This is a pulsed electric field-based and ohmic heating technology for fast food preparation. This is basically what they're saying is going to take air fryers and go, yeah, you don't want an air fryer, you're going to want a Sevi. I was going to say, it it seems to be sort of air fryer cross microwave cross sous vide. Yes. All in one box. (laughs) I, I... they're, they're yeah. looking to partner with the big names that we're used to for things like microwaves and those sort of devices. So we'll wait and see. Yeah, watch uh, watch this space. There you go. That's the uh, the best of CES 2024. We'll be back next time. Uh, see what uh, well, what else we can dig out. The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio.